Hey, 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 hello everybody to the fucking EP show Yeah, you know for show, you know how this shit about to go Holy shit, you know this shit is so tough Okay, now I'm gonna stop talking so you can hear this fucking song Hey Start dancing, yep, everybody start dancing, yep, yep, everybody start dancing. Let's go, let's get on a motherfucking dance floor. Did you know for sure we're about to go off on this motherfucking beat? You know the shit is so tough, you know the shit is so tough, okay. I feel him staring from across the room, across the room. He's got it all, I just let them assume. Mm. You couldn't be me if you wanted to. Podcasting shit look easy. I swear they got you know I'm breezy. You know I'm dancing like it's breezy. You know that this shit is so breezy. Except the temperature in this motherfucking room is not breezy at all. It's like it's quite hot. I don't know what I'm gonna do about that. Hey, alright, I think the song is ending. If it is, let's go. Everybody, let's get ready for the fucking show. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Hey. All right, everybody. Hey. Yep, that's the intro for the EP show, my pop culture podcast. The EP stands for Eladia Polanco, which is my name. Did you know that? Did you know that that's my name? Anyways, you know, I'm recording from another new set. I recently got some new sofas up in this bitch. Um, and now, you know, I'm just trying to figure out how the fuck the podcast is going to work in this environment. At least I can record in here in this, you know, two people, but really just one person sofa. It actually feels quite nice, really comfortable. I'm not used to being super comfortable when doing a podcast, but uh, that's what this is. So uh, let's, you know, in case you don't know what this podcast is, what this show is, the AP show is basically my version of a pop culture podcast where, uh, you know, it's, you know, divided into four segments, I guess. The intro where I play one of my favorite jams on the week, you know what I mean? MTV jams. Hold on, did the camera stop working already? That'll be wild. Hold on. I don't got to move too much. Okay, no, I didn't. It sounded like it stopped. I don't know why. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, so it's divided into the intro, empty rants, which are just pop culture topics I want to talk about, empty reviews, which is... Two featured reviews, which could be either movies, TV shows, albums, any of that sort. And then the last segment called Put You On, which is the outro segment where I play a song from an underrated artist that I want to put you guys on. 
pretty simple. So now I guess let's just start talking about the first topic. And the first topic is going to be what really took the internet by storm this past weekend. And that was the, the Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith uh, debacle, right? Which started last week with, uh, you know, with August Alcina pretty much just coming out and confirming the fact that he was in a relationship with uh, Jada. And that Will Smith gave him his blessing. And then everybody's like, oh, shit, this confirms the rumors of a open relationship that I guess there has been rumors in the industry. I guess I'm not privy to it. I'm not in the fucking industry. I'm in the streets. <laughs> I don't know. I listened. To, that was a bar from a rapper a long time ago. That's definitely not mine. But basically, yeah, there's been like rumors that they have kind of a, that they're either swingers or have an open relationship. Right. So this August shit kind of rocked your world. Right. And to anybody who wasn't privy to those rumors, they were just like, oh, shit, what the fuck? Will Smith, because even J. Cole is like, I want that Jada and Will love. And now everybody's like making memes how, yeah, that might not be (laughs) what you want. But, yeah, basically when this came out, you know, Jada decided to do a a red talk, a red table talk, which is their popular Facebook watch show, where they just kind of talk about important topics. And I guess Jada brought herself to the table and had Will Smith sort of interviewing her. And then they revealed a lot of stuff. First, they revealed that I guess they had a break about four or five years ago. And in that break, she started dating August Alsina. Uh, but then she broke up with them and got back with Will. And uh, that's why that's 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 really what it is. That's probably the most concise way to put it. Um, but it was just funny because um, the memes were just incredible with because there is one still of Will Smith being extremely depressed. And, you know, a lot of people are making fun of that because he just looked real depressed with her talking about, oh, I've never felt, I, had, I hadn't felt so, I hadn't felt good in such a long time. And then August Alcina made me feel good with his big black cock. <laughs> Which is what she was trying to say. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it's not a surprise. You know, I think that's exactly what she was implying that happened. So she hadn't felt so good in a long, she said she hadn't felt good in a long time which implies that she felt good with him. And then there was there was a lot of conversations around this, right? One conversation that could be talked about is that, did Jada Pinkett Smith take advantage of August Alsina? And I guess my answer to that is um, kind of, but not really. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we're dealing with adults. Now, adults can be vulnerable, and that's kind of what happened with August Alsina. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith kind of admitted that herself. She was talking about when uh, when she came across August, he was kind of in a very vulnerable place, and she just loves fixing people. Another Jaco reference: You don't want to be saved, but in, in this case, he switched the pronouns. He don't want to be saved. Don't save them. He don't want to be saved, and that's why this whole issue started. But you know, a lot of people were saying Jada Pinkett Smith kind of took advantage of August Alcina because you know. Uh, just be- just because of, you know, his state. And look, I definitely understand that. And you got to think about this from August Alcina's perspective, right? He's kind of struggling mentally, right? He's a very popular artist, but he's having some mental health issues, right? Yeah, around this time, he had like a hit single, I think, probably. I'm not sure the timeline, but people know him. He's a known artist, August Alcina at this point. has He's having some mental health issues. Then somehow he comes across Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, who is probably a crush of his, right? Because she's like somebody who's been beautiful for for a very long time, and a lot of people have had crushes on her growing up. So then you see that, right? And then she comes to you, 
and kind of wants to start a relationship, the fuck, why wouldn't you take it? And she's like helping you and shit, like helping you deal with your mental health, right? So now imagine being in his shoes and you being with this woman that you've loved for such a long time, right? You've had a crush on, presumably. Um, and then she's helping you with your mental issues and everything's going great. And then all of a sudden she's like, all right, all right, gotta go. Bye. Right. There must have been some miscommunication there because you know what it is? That's really what it was. She, listen, Jada Pinkett Smith just wanted to feel good. And that was her little side project. And it wasn't a clear thing. I don't believe it was a clear thing of, listen, this is going to be this or that or this or that. Right. I don't believe it was. And even if it was. You know, I could relate with August and like, even if you know what the situation is, it doesn't make it hurt any less when she leaves. This is actually very similar to a situation that I've had in the past now that I think about it. But yeah, so now August Alcina, she leaves and he's kind of like stunned. Like, fuck, she was helping me with my mental health. She was, you know, she was doing this. She was doing that. And now she's fucking leaving. What am I going to do? And, you know, unfortunately, what can you do? The only thing you can do is just fucking accept that and this sounds like this happened about like this isn't recent like they kind of broke that relationship off and now august alcina is kind of kind of snitching you know i mean i understand he's heartbroken but that's another thing why the fuck did august alcina think this was a good idea to put out there right like this was supposed to be a secret thing they broke up you can allude to this but don't do a whole fucking interview just revealing everything that's snitching. You're not supposed to do that. And now you look stupid because they come on to the Red Table Talk and they address this. And now nobody's even talking about August Alcina anymore, aside from the memes. They're really just making fun of, like, Will Smith being a cuck or whatever the fuck, you know, uh, whatever Leafy would say. You're a fucking cuck, dude. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, that is just weird that August Alcina would do that. But that's about it with that fucking thing. You know, I don't know what the fuck August, uh, August's next step is going to be. You know, a lot of people are saying this was like an album rollout. I don't think this really was that good of a rollout because I don't think that many people are going to check out these out al- his album because of this. If anything, everybody checked out the fucking, this helped out the, the Smiths way more than it helped out August Alcina. And if August Alcina's plan was to get people to listen to his music because he revealed this he was sorely mistaken because nobody gives a fuck about your music August Elsina. I'm sorry to say don't put out a fucking 40 track album and expect people to listen to it but um the other thing I want to talk about with this topic is open relationships and how I think it should be more no I think open relationships I feel like make sense for let's say a couple I don't know if I think it makes sense if two people, right, have been married for a long time and they fall out of lust, right? Like they're not as attracted to each other anymore, but like they're as famous as the Smiths are and want to keep their family together. They want to tear it apart. I think it actually makes all the fucking sense in the world to have an open relationship, right? As long as it's keeping kept in secret. I mean, a lot of people are saying the Will Smith kept this shit, his side, his side hose you know, in secret, and then Jada Pinkett Smith's side hoe revealed everything, but I feel like it makes total sense, I don't think anybody should be knocking it, listen, these people are not regular people, these are, this is Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith, the two, one of the, this is the biggest, one of the biggest families in the whole fucking United States, they're like the black Kardashian, they're like the black Kardashians, almost, like a, a, a less problematic, Kardashian family, right? In that, like, everybody in the family is pretty famous. You got Jaden Smith, 
you know, was a little bit of a weirdo. Will Smith is also a little bit of a weirdo. Will Smith, one of the biggest action stars, action movie stars of all time. And uh, what's his name? What's her name? AJ Biggins Smith, right? Who was recently in Gotham. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> that's funny that that's a credit I mentioned. She was in Gotham. Did you guys know that? But yeah, it's. I think it makes sense. An open relationship between, you know, it's it's not a regular situation. So what the fuck can you do? But I guess that's it. To with that, I mean, you know, don't be surprised. That'll be hilarious if Will Smith's side hoe speaks out. A lot of people are speculating that um, what's her name? Uh, Margot Robbie was one of Will Smith's side bitches. Excuse my French, but you know. She's too big to fucking snitch. There's no way she's going to say anything about that. So I guess this is it for now. Uh, at least now we know that they're... But that's the other thing. The way they addressed this, they just said they had a break about four or five years ago. They didn't say this is something they do regularly, which I thought, hmm, interesting. I guess it makes sense. You don't want to tarnish. You don't want to put that out there. But I think it's pretty obvious to anybody who's watching. It's like, yeah, they're probably fucking around. You know, they're probably fucking around and fucking other people. And I think they're both just cool with it. But that's everything I wanted to talk about with the, this topic. Now let's move on to Usman versus Masvidal. Kamaru Usman and George Masvidal. This was the big fight, uh, the big UFC fight, big MMA fight. I haven't seen... This is actually my first pay-per-view event that I've seen from the MMA. I've always thought, eh, it's too violent for me. I don't want to see nobody fucking killing each other, right? Like, I, whatever. I don't want to see that, right? Like, just people fucking headbutting each other and fucking cutting each like ble- ble- you know bleeding all over the place people looking like they're dead but it's just momentarily passed out i guess like that was one of the un- you know undercards was somebody got choked out and he looked like he had fucking aneurysms i don't know what the fuck it was but it looked wild it was just that's very fucked up of me to say listen i'm just reenacting what the fuck i saw and that's what the guy looked to me when he was choked out and um but he turns out to be fine. But that's the, that's the thing, right? It's a little bit too fucking extreme for me. But it was still actually really entertaining when I watched the whole thing to me, right? And all the fights leading up to Usman and Masvidal, I thought were pretty entertaining. So, and then I know George Masvidal has been on a hype train, right? And Kamaru Usman is a very good fighter, right? So I'm just thinking, shit, if all these fights leading up to this fight are, are great, you know, I really enjoyed it, really entertaining. This must be a really entertaining fight. And even before, listen, I don't know that much about UFC, so don't fucking come for me. I'm just saying what I saw. I'm just commentating and giving you my thoughts as I was watching it. You know, my first, when I saw that these two were fighting and, I, and you know, the, the package of the show before the fight, right? That's how I kind of learned what the fuck has been going on. Like how Masvidal has been on this spree. He's been fighting for a long time. He finally has a title shot, right? Like he's very... Um, People are rooting for him because he just seems like such a, you know, like like a good like a good antihero. He seems to me. That's what Masvidal looks like to me. And that is finally his shot, you know, to win something, right? Uh, I was like, I was looking at him, and then I was looking at Kamaru Usman, and I'm just like, on paper, this doesn't seem like it's gonna be a win for Masvidal, right? Because it to me it was apparent, and I don't even know that much about this. To me, it was apparent. I think they're just not, you know, on the same caliber. I think Kamara Usman. I think Masvidal was on a it was on a streak, on a very impressive streak, and everybody was rooting for him because it looked like he was so fun to watch, like a great striker, like very ferocious, has no fucking you know, 
shame or pity for anybody. He's going to fuck you up. You know what I mean? Which is entertaining for UFC fans, right? But still, I saw his record. I saw for how long he's been fighting. I saw that he is kind of an underdog story. I was just like, and then I saw Kamaru Usman, who's a very established champion. I'm just like, yeah, Kamaru Usman is going to win. I didn't know how, and I'm going to get into that in a second, that fight, how fucking wild and kind of boring a little bit it was. I'll get into that in a second, but I was just thinking, yeah, Kamaru Usman is for sure going to win because I, I just don't think Masvidal has faced this type of competitor before. To me, it just seems like he carried himself as if he's way better than Masvidal, and I bought it. So I'm thinking, yeah, Kamaru Usman is going to win. You know, Masvidal has never faced somebody like him before. That's what I was thinking, right? And then right before the fight starts, I see a tweet that pops up. It was like, somebody bet $200,000 on Masvidal. I'm like, what? Hold on. People are really hyped for this guy. That's what I thought. I'm like, damn. Somebody really wants Masvidal to win. I, that's when I realized people love Masvidal. People really want Masvidal to win just because it will be probably good for the sport. He's been in such a fun streak. It made sense to me, but I was still like, nah, Kamaru Usman is going to win. And then the fight starts, and you see the first round. And you could tell in the first round that Kamaru Usman is trying to fight the same way that Masvidal is trying to fight, right? Like, you know, Masvidal's a striker, so Kamaru Usman is trying to fucking strike with him. But it just seemed like, yeah, that's not a good idea. <laughs> like, right away, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, Kamaru Usman. Why well, I keep saying his full name? Listen, Usman, that's not a good idea. Even I saw that. And he mentions this in a, in the post-fight interview. But I was looking at that. I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. Because, I mean, Masvidal was coming out to fucking fight. Like, that motherfucker looked ferocious. Like, he was just throwing shit. Like, you can see there was a lot of power in his strikes. And I've never seen such a fucking angry competitor. Like, that motherfucker was so mad. Not mad in, like mad at something but like the way he was fighting like you could tell there was aggression from the fucking heart in every punch and every kick right and so the first round it was really just that just a striking game and you could tell Kamaru Usman was gonna get fucking his ass beat if he did that so he changes his game plan and the next fucking four rounds is the most boring shit you can imagine because Kamaru Usman is just like Fuck, man, I can't compete with him in a striking. Let me just do what I do best. Let me go to the safe route and just clinch him and get fucking hits that way. And that's literally the rest of the fight. And you can see, like, Masvidal smiling the whole time. And I think it's because he knew what was happening. He knew uh, Kamaru Usman was taking the bitch way out of it. He was taking a safe part. Because if you're thinking, you know, Kamaru Usman is a very good grappler and wrestler, I guess. And they do that sort of stuff when you're wrestling. But... You know, for such a high fight, and also, I was reading, like, comments afterwards, I didn't know this, but Kamaru Usman was also talking a lot of shit. He was just saying, listen, y'all, I'm gonna fuck y'all up, I don't give a fuck, you know, I'm gonna fuck you up, uh, Masvidal, if you wanna fucking fight that way, I'll fight you that way, and I'll prove to you I'm the best, whatever, whatever, right? And he, and he does it in the first round, but he realizes, nah, I can't do that if I wanna win. He takes a safe route. Listen, I can't blame... Usman for taking the safe way out, right? You know what I mean? Like, I can't blame him at all because he wants to be champion. He's not going to want to lose to Masvidal, right? Obviously. Somebody who's been saying, who he's been saying is not in his league whatsoever. It makes sense. But there's no denying it made the fight way more boring. 
than if he had tried to make it interesting, right? Again, I see it both ways. The fight was boring, but if I was in Usman's shoes and I fight that first round and see that I can't do shit with this guy, striking-wise, then I'm just going to clinch and fucking stomp your toes, hit you with my shoulder, all that shit. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, then later, like I said, in the post, post-fight post interview, Usman pretty much just said so. It was like, listen, first round, I got my ass kicked. I had to change. You know, that wasn't my game plan, but I had to improvise. And you could tell that was an improvised thing. He probably had a real good plan to fight Masvidal. But as soon as he saw those fucking kicks and fists of fury flying his way, he was just like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to be able to compete with this guy. Fuck that. And then he just went to what was safe, and that's what he did. So I can't blame it, but, yeah. This was such a hype fight, you know what I mean? Like, so many people were watching that, including myself. Like, even I knew of this fucking main event. I was hyped for it, because, like I said, every other fight was great before it. But then, was my one for the safe route. Now I, you know, I understand it, but now I kind of don't like him. (laughs) Which is funny, because he's just like... Come on, bro. Like, put it all out there if you want to really fight. You know what I mean? Don't talk shit and then go safe. That was the consensus of the fight. You know, toe toe stomping, you know, shoulder bumping and all that shit. That was not, you know, it's not. that doesn't make for an entertaining fight. It really reminded me, I made the comparison of, like, watching a Floyd Mayweather fight who, like, dodges and runs away from any sort of real fighting, right? And then gets a few hits. And he wins the he wins the fight that way, like by decision, and people hate him too. So it made sense, but um, sometimes you just want to go for the short, for sure thing, and that's what Usman did. So that's my recap of fucking UFC two fifty one. I think it was my first UFC you know card I've ever seen, and you know, save for the main event, every every other fight was entertaining. So I think I might just keep watching. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Now I want to talk about. Some like movie and TV news because I didn't know what the fuck else to talk about. Listen, Matt Reeves is coming out with a fucking Batman TV show, a Gotham Police Department show, right? And I mean, I agree with a lot of people. Read the room, guys. I mean, look, it's not, it's not like because of what's happening right now with the trying to abolish the police and defund the police and all that shit. It's not like we can't ever see any entertainment that has to do with police, right? Like, I'm not one of those people that are like, oh, now any anything that has to do with police is done. We can't be sympathetic towards police. Come on, that's stupid. With art, that's the whole point. You need to see shit. Art helps you see things from different sides. So it makes sense to me. But um, it is funny that they announced this in the midst of, you know, all these places trying to defund the police. But it's smart that they announce it and they say they're trying to work. I haven't even explained what this is. I'll just keep saying. I'll just keep talking as if you know what the fuck I'm talking about. No, no, but let me explain it. Basically, Matt Reeves, the director of the upcoming Batman movie, and with uh, another guy, I don't remember his name. They're developing a Gotham PD show, which takes place in the world of the movie that he's creating. So this is kind of like a spinoff of the movie, and is going to focus on the Gotham Police Department and all the shit that's happening there. And obviously, a lot of backlash because of the hate that bon- the hate boner that people have against police right now. People hate, fucking hate police. Well, yeah, you know, with good reason. But I'm just saying, people fucking despise the police. But, um, you know, a lot of people are hating. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't not... Like, that doesn't make sense to completely devoid the market 
of any cop entertainment. You know what I mean? Because that just doesn't make sense. And I saw an interesting article from uh, the Hollywood Reporter or somewhere talking about how this could be an opportunity for them to really touch on the issues that are happening in police departments. And I agree. You know what I mean? Because the the best superhero shit that you watch is that th- is the stuff that has some sort of either social commentary or something deeper than just fucking bad guys and good guys fighting. There's something deeper than that. And I think a Gotham PD show on HBO Max would definitely do that. So I am excited to see it. I mean, Matt Reeves, he can't miss right now. He did Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War of the Planet of the Apes. I think he did Cloverfield. The guy is great. He's made some great movies. He wrote something. He's also a good writer, too. But, yeah, he's he's on a streak right now. And if the Batman delivers, people are for sure going to want to watch the show. And this is a great idea for HBO Max. It's finally fucking tapping into their shit. Like, it's like, you know, HBO, you guys have superheroes. That's the hot shit right now. You need to capitalize on that shit and do that for your streaming service. That's how you're going to get eyes and, bo- you know, eyeballs on that. That's that eyes and balls. Technically, I guess, because if your eyes are watching something, your balls are also in the same place your eyes are. So I guess eyes and balls and eyeballs, you know, all that shit. You need to get people on your, you know, on your HBO Max and it hasn't had the best debut. But, you know, a a Batman spinoff, like it's basically the good version of Gotham uh, on Fox. That's that's pretty much what this is going to be. So I'm excited to see it. There's really not, you know, why the fuck did I choose this story? Because I said, yes, no more, no more real stories. And I'm getting kind of tired, to be honest, of talking right now. Because, you know, I think I'm starting to just enjoy talking to other people. I think I'm getting tired of just me talking. But if I stop the show in like a month from now, I'm going to start it again. Because I enjoy talking, you know, and I need a fucking outlet to talk about shit. I guess I just don't feel like podcasting right now. But what can you do? You need to stay consistent, y'all. That's my whole thing. I'm going to stay consistent until somebody fucking notices me. Can't wait till I blow up because I stay consistent. All right, man. Um, That's it for Empty Rants. Now, let's fucking get into empty reviews and my two featured reviews. So, last week, I did this thing, this segment called Next Week, right? Where I guess I tell you guys what I'm going to review, what I'm going to be reviewing. But the problem with that, I'm, I scrapped that segment because the problem with it is like something big can happen and I'll probably change my mind, right? So, for the album, I was first going to review Summer Walker's EP. But then, you know, it was announced that Juice World was dropping an album that week. So I'm like, obviously, I'm going to talk about Juice World's album. So I guess, you know, everything is unpredictable. People can drop surprise albums, whatever. That, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to tell you guys what the fuck I'm going to review. You know what I mean? I'm not going to tell you guys. It's going to be a secret until you watch it. And then, you know, if you guys decide to watch along the show, you know what the fuck to watch. Because I'll put that shit on the fucking cover of the episode. Uh, so for empty reviews, the two things I'm going to be reviewing are going to be Palm Springs, the Lonely Island film on Hulu, and Legends Never Die, like I said, the Juice World album. So let me just start with Palm Springs, which is, like I said, the Lonely Island movie, at least produced by them. Uh, it is rated R. It is on Hulu. It is streaming right now on Hulu. It is about 90 minutes, so a pretty good runtime. It is a rom-com with with some sci-fi elements um does this does the fucking synopsis ruin this shit i'll tell you because that's the hook of this movie to be honest if anything you know i don't think you would want to go into this movie not you know knowing this but whatever 
I need to, you know, it's not just a regular rom-com. And here's what the synopsis says. When carefree Niles and reluctant maid of honor Sarah have a chance encounter at a Palm Springs wedding, things get complicated as they are unable to escape the venue themselves or each other. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Doesn't really spoil much. Um, Just know there's some sci-fi shit in there that is really good. Uh, Director is Mike's Barbacao. It was written by Andy Sierra. And it stars Andrew Seinberg. What the fuck did I just say? I said Andrew Seinberg. Andy Samberg. Christina Milotti. Christine Milotti. And J.K. Simmons. That's a big trio of the movie. And um, it's probably one of my favorite movies of the year. It's definitely in my top five, I believe. Listen, I'm not, without spoiling. Listen, there's some sci-fi elements, right? And the way they deal with the sci-fi shit, it's actually very impressive because it has a unique take on its unique sci-fi premise, right? It's a premise without saying what it is. It's something you've seen before in other movies, right? Um, so it's not like it's a new concept, but the way they do it, it definitely has that touch of a Lonely Island. Listen, if you've enjoyed Lonely Island movies before, if you enjoyed Popstar, which fucking flopped, but is an amazing comedy, if you enjoyed uh, a Hot Rod, if you like, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, if you like anything that has to do with Andy Sandberg, if you like uh, The Lonely Island, obviously, you would really enjoy this movie. This movie's for you. But it's not just for you, and that's the thing, right? Like, on its surface, I feel like this would be, like, a very type of immature movie you know what i mean that has the lonely island comedic stylings right but it actually the thing that impressed me about this movie is that it's way deeper than that and they touch on some really interesting like existential questions through this you know hook the sci-fi hook and it's actually like a very mature it's like this is the typical this is like the the natural progression of a Lonely Island movie as their members grow up and don't find just dick's dick uh, uh, humor funny, right? Like, the, oh, there's a dick. Oh, look, dick, 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 right? Like, that's not the only thing about this movie, although that is definitely there. I think they understand at this point now we just have to add a little bit of death and heart under this shit. And even though they didn't write it, obviously, but it's still under the Lonely Island's banner. Like, even in the beginning of the movie, it said Lonely Island Classics. So it is produced by that group, right? So it's technically Lonely Island. It's like the the Phil Lord, like, Lord and Miller, the guys that did Spider-Man and 22 Jump Street and all that shit. You know, like, Spider-Man Into the the Spider-Verse wasn't really directed or written by them, but... It was produced by them, and it has their their sense of style, and they choose that this the project that they want to be associated with. So you had to give them credit in that sense because they're producing, they're presenting it as their own shit, right? Even though they technically, it's like DJ Khaled. How people always say, "Oh, DJ Khaled doesn't do shit. He's not really a DJ. He doesn't make beats, whatever." You know what I mean? But he gets all the pieces together to make the product that he wants, and that's what the Lonely Island does. So this is a Lonely Island project. But I just loved how good it... I mean, the performances are all great. It's it's really fucking funny. I mean, I'll say a line that you won't understand out of context. But there's a point where J.K. Simmons says, Look at little Joey right there tending to his dog shit. (laughs) It's way funnier in the movie. I'm just saying it out of context. Just so you... When you watch it, you're like, Oh, shit, that's the line he's talking about. But it's a really fucking fun movie. 
it has some real interesting questions. It serves as a parable for growing up, right? In like relationships and maturity in relationships. You know what I mean? It has some really cool open-ended shit that you can debate with your friends afterwards. It has a super, it has a feel-good ending. You know, it's not ambiguous. It's a, it's just really feel good. And it's a perfect ending for this kind of movie. And the chemistry between Andy Samberg and Christina, Christine Milati is perfect. They really do get along with each other. In the beginning, I feel like the first half, the first 20 minutes are great. Then the next, like, 45 minutes are like, okay, you know, I'm not loving this necessarily. And then the last, like, 30 minutes are, like, pitch perfect. And there's some really good twists in there you don't see coming. Obviously, the premise, but also other shit in, when you go into the movie. It's a very thought-provoking and funny movie from the Lonely Island guys. And that's not something I would expect from the Lonely Island guys. So, it, it, it just really, I just really enjoyed it. it. This is a very rewatchable movie. And given the premise of this movie, it's very interesting. Um, it's definitely apt. Uh, but yeah, that's really all I got to say. Make sure, please watch this on Hulu. It's really fucking good. You know, I remember Hulu and Neon, you know, uh, I think Neon bought this shit in the beginning of the year when it premiered on Sundance for the highest, that was the highest, uh, um, acquisition of any movie ever. Right. But they also had streaming rights, which was very fucking smart because look what happened. It's almost like they knew. They didn't know, but it's funny that they also had like streaming rights included into this deal because it just happened to be the only way people are going to be able to watch this movie. So, and yeah, it's also kind of fucked up that you won't be able to, this is definitely a movie you should see with other people. I saw this with my sister. It was really fun. You know, a group of people could definitely watch this movie and have fun with it. So, you know, that's my review of Palm Springs, the new Lonely Island movie. Now, now let's move on to the album of albums the album that everybody's going to be talking about another project from a artist has unfortunately passed away that is juice world's legends never die this album was you know announced a week before it came out like five days before it came out legends never die uh has 21 songs a couple of skits and um here's my background with juice world i really love the two songs are really made them popular. All girls are the same. And uh, I see. What the fuck? Uh, I still see the shadows in my, in my room. Whatever the fuck the song's called. I don't I don't remember the name of it. But the really popular Juice World song that everybody knows. With a really popular sample. So those two songs I really enjoyed. But I haven't been able to get into his projects. You know, his past projects really. I don't know why. I just feel like there's some sort of disconnect. I just don't love his sound. That emo pop hip-hop sound but there's no denying that is a very popular sound that is only getting even more popular now in their wake in the wake of his death so you know he puts out the album i've listened to it and i really i it i enjoyed it it's enjoyable i'm not gonna say i loved it right it's fine it's probably better than well, I haven't listened to the other projects, but I enjoyed it more than I was expecting, especially on my first listen. Like, pretty much every song kind of washed over me, and I was just like, ah, there's nothing that really stands out, right? It just sounds like typical Jews World music. But on the second and third listen, um, there's some songs that started to stick out to me that I really, really enjoyed. Like, um, uh, like what? Let me give you an example. I got the track list right here. 
like the song uh blood on my jeans i really enjoyed i love the song uh i want it no no that's not the song i like the song uh stay high stay high is actually my favorite which is a very album cut e song of this of the album right it's like a super album cut so i don't know why the fuck i love that one so much but that's actually like my favorite right and you have the singles that were hits right so like righteous tell me you love me you know uh fucking what else uh life's a mess you know like these songs that came out before the album you came out obviously right like the singles you have those i think those are just fine but i think i like the way this album is structured for sure you know a lot of people are gonna say this is a very depressing album to listen to but i don't know i'd to me, it wasn't that depressing, and maybe it's not. Maybe it's because I wasn't the biggest Juice World fan, or maybe it's not. I haven't fully accepted his, that he's dead. It doesn't feel. You know what it is? It doesn't feel like he's truly dead because, like, a lot of people have claimed that he has like seven thousand songs or some ridiculous shit like that. So it's not like this is gonna be the last album we hear from Juice World, right? So in that way, it doesn't depressed me to listen to this although the subject matter is fucking depressing and i think they did that on purpose i think they got all the this is it's actually a really well done and well structured album because every fucking song on this is the most depressing shit you can listen to because he's predicting his demise right in that way it definitely has a thematic connection that truly makes it a, a quality album right and I can understand why people can't really listen to it. But to me, it just doesn't seem like he's truly day, uh, dead. I mean, kind of like the title suggests, Legends Never Die. I don't think he's dead because his music is still going to come out. You know what I mean? Like, the moment his very last album comes out, that's when it's probably going to hit me. Like, the same thing with Pop Smoke's album. They said that he has more songs, but... He, he, you know, he was a fairly new artist. Juice World has been around for a couple, two or three years, right? But it's just crazy that these two albums came out back to back. Pop Smoke's post posthumous album and then fucking Juice World's posthumous album. And they're both going to be number one on the charts. You know, it's fucking crazy. But another thing, you know, there's not much to talk about at the album. There's not much I need to say about this album. Really enjoyable songs. I'll tell you what my favorite songs were, um, you know. Uh, I will say my my favorite songs were "Righteous," "Blood of My Jeans," "Tell Me You Love Me," "Hate the Other Side." I actually really enjoyed on multiple listens. "Life's a Mess," "Come and Go," you know, uh, "Wishing Well." I understand why people are really hyping this song because he's kind of admitting that he feels like drugs is what made him popular. I understand it's a very important song, but it wasn't my favorite. Um, but then you have "Stay High" and "Can't Die." I loved all of those. Those were all my favorite songs from the album. It is a mostly solo album, which I also appreciate. I also think the interludes were great. And I mean, the outro is fucking nuts. Juice World speaks from heaven. Fucking nuts. And it's actually him saying, hey, guys, I'm in heaven. I'm talking to you. I'm like, what the fuck? How the fuck they found that clip? That fucking blew me. I'm like, what? How the fuck did he find a clip of him saying, hey, guys, I'm in heaven. How y'all doing? That's nuts. But, um... Yeah, that's my review of this album. You know, rest in peace to Juice World. And I guess before I'm done this episode, I also want to talk about a little bit of um, how weird his death was. Because it's not like he overdosed purposefully. It's not like he took all those pills and he wanted to die. He was trying to not get caught with those pills because I guess they're illegal. But then I'm thinking, okay, 
if you're Juice World, and I want to, this is all, I'm, I mean, no disrespect, but this line of questioning in my head, this is just my head works. I'm just wondering a couple of stuff. Like, does he not? No, that like taking all those pills, maybe not everybody's in, as fucking anxious as I am, but I guess, and I guess it's a snap of the moment, snap of the moment decision, right? It's not like a super well thought out decision. He had to make a choice and he did one, unfortunately cost him his life. But so he's either, so I guess his death is interesting to me because he pretty much had to decide, do I go to jail or get caught with all these pills or do I take all these pills at once and pray for the best? It's a fucking weird way to die, to be honest. And I don't know if you, I don't know who the fuck is to blame for that. It's not him, I don't think. And it's not the people doing their job. It's a very weird type of death, right? You know, it's not. It's heartbreaking that he is dead, but the way the death happened is super bizarre and super weird and unpredictable and out of left field. Right, like you see other people's deaths with people either overdosing on drugs, like Lil Peep, or you know getting killed, like Pop Smoke and Triple uh, X. But it's just a weird. It's so it's so out of left field. It's so such a unique way to pass on. I just you know I was just thinking about that. Like that's such a weird way to die. You know what I mean? Out of all the types of and it's because like, again, it's not the typical type of death like Mike Miller overdosing, like none of that shit. He was just hiding pills, and he just took them all because he didn't want to go to jail, I guess. Really bizarre. And the, the other thing with this also is, like, this is... Juice's, Juice World's death does mark the end of the triple threat of emo pop, emo hip-hop, you know what I mean, that was rising. I don't know who's carrying on that sound. Maybe the kid Leroy? I don't know, but, you know, the fact that Lil Peep... Triple X and Juice World died, which are all ushering this like rock emo type of sound. They all passed away. It's fucking weird too, right? Like the why the, there were the three main artists that talking about emo shit, and they all died. That's fucking creepy if you think about it, right? Like that can't just be me. But I don't know. I'm just you know I'm just talking too much shit at this point. But that's gonna be it for my review of uh, Legends Never Die, the Juice World. Uh, you know, the Juice World album. I don't know why the fuck I forgot the word album. But, yeah, that's going to be it for this episode. For this episode of the, of the AP Show. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. The way I'm going to end this episode is with the segment I like to call Put You On. Where I play a song from an artist that is very up and coming. And I want you guys to listen to this shit and remember where who put you on. That was me. I put you on to this fucking guy. It's 22 G's. I feel like he's actually my favorite drill artist right now. My favorite Brooklyn drill artist because I feel like I believe everything he's saying. <laughs> I recently tweeted that out. I'm like, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I believe everything 22 G says in his music. He just have that fu- he has that gravitas. He feels like he's going to fucking kill you if you don't fucking get in line. And that makes the most hype music to me. So I'm going to play a song from his album, uh, Growth and Development. Um, This one is not a drill song, surprisingly. But, you know, I feel like it's one of my favorites. It sounds like a future song. I don't know why I didn't play a drill song for 22 G's. But I don't know. Because this is my favorite. And I feel like this is the one that... It should be a drill. He's a drill artist. So this is an anomaly in his music. But... 
you know, you've heard drill music before. I just want to show you that he makes good music, period. So that's why I'm going to play ATB, Addicted to Bankrolls. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the EP show. And I'll see you next. I'll see you guys next week for another new episode. Yeah. There's that fucking melody. Whatever the fuck that is. I just know this song's going to be hype off top. When you hear that, you know the shit about the bang. Come on. This sounds like a really fucking good future song. The beat reminds me of a future song, but 22G's fucking does his shit on it. It has the drums and the bass and the feeling of a drill song, but it's not necessarily drill. It feels more trapped than drill. Still fucking amazing. Really hype. That's another thing, he's actually a good rapper, which is great. Definitely better rapper than Fabio Foreign. <laughs> World premiere. Damn, son, where you find this? I also like that he does two verses. It feels weird nowadays. I believe he's a known sinner for sure. Drop the window hard, skip it. I up the chop and I lift him. Pull up skirt off and I'm dripping. Throw it in sport and get missing. On the stove in the kitchen, handling my penis. Hit you when I'm finished. You pull up and hit him and change clothes. They've been through shooting like Saints Row. Saints Row. Ain't close. 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 And he took off on his song. So that's it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I'll catch you guys for episode 6 of the EP show. Or episode 7. Nah, this is episode 6. Next week is going to be episode 7. So see you guys then. <laughs>